Okay, we're in our series about peace of mind, about mental health. This is actually week six. Can you believe that? We're going to finish up today. Today's topic is being burnt out. If you'd like to catch up on those, they're available on the website or on um, actually YouTube as well as Facebook. Anyway, beating burnout. Now, I used to pride myself on, on the, the delusion that I'd never experienced burnout, but I was wrong, foolish. Uh, so what is burnout? Well, it's when you continually stack things on one another, when you just add a little, I, just, I can add a little bit more, I can do a little bit more, I can fit this in, I can squeeze this in, and what happens is you run into a wall, don't you? Um, the pressure keeps mounting until it busts or, or breaks. A uh, statistic from last year, over 50% of people that are employed consider themselves in burnout. So I don't know how many people are here or watching, but at least half of you, if you're employed, are probably experiencing burnout. I got to thinking about young families. We have some. I think back when I, we had small children. I think probably everybody, when they have small children, are, are dealing with burnout. Um, give you a kind of a general definition. Generally reflects an inability to balance competing demands. Right, so we have all these kinds of demands on us, right? Physical demands, mental demands, emotional demands, etc. And we get to the place we can't keep juggling everything, right? And it becomes seemingly impossible. It could be in the physical realm. We're just being stressed so much physically. Uh, for most of it, it's more mental or emotional, isn't it? Uh, we've just got so many things on our mind, and, and we can't. I know my wife sometimes, she just can't go to fall asleep at night. There's just so much stuff going on, uh, rotating in her mind. And emotionally, uh, life is emotional, and if we don't deal with it appropriately, we can often hit burnout. Uh, we can do it in the social realm. Somebody that is a people pleaser and wants everybody to like them, it's easy to hit a wall there, right? Because you can't, everybody's not going to like you. You can't please everyone. There's financial burnout. Over 50% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. <laughs> so that's almost constant uh, pressure financial pressure. There's health issues, right? Some of us have health issues and uh, sometimes we can hit a wall where we've been to so many doctors and nobody can fix us and we don't know what to do next. Of course, then there's a spiritual or maybe more religious burnout and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Now, the interesting thing as we talked about in the series, if you break an arm and you get a cast on, and you show up here at church, and we go and say, oh, what happened to you? I'm so sorry. Can I sign your cash? Every, cast? Everybody's supportive, you know, encouraging, or whatever. If you were to share, I've just burned out. I've just broken my spirit. Uh, my life has been too difficult. Reaction often has been a little bit different. Oh, well, well, well you, you just need to pray more. You need to study your Bible more. Or maybe there's a sin in your life that you need to take care of. Um, lot less sympathetic. Now, it's getting better in the church world, um, and hopefully it continues to get better. So, 
We talked about stress one Sunday. What is the difference between stress and burnout? There's a connection. I think there is. How many of you are stressed today? Come on, let's be honest. All right, it's about half of you. All right. The other half of you are lying, but anyway. <laughs> stress is part of life, right? All right, so what is stress? Stress is generally short-lived, uh, what is it? Short-lived or temporarily project or event. And so, you know, if you're in school, you got a test coming up, you take a test, um, got a project to work, get the project done, stress goes away. Uh, somebody has a wedding this week. Come next Sunday, I guess the stress will be over. All right. Claudia Jones, for the last time, you will be Claudia somebody else next week. All right. Uh, for you who don't know, Jared and Claudia are getting married on Saturday. So pray for all of us as we're <laughs> see that happen. <clears throat> all right. Uh, there's good stress. You put stress on your body to build muscles and so forth. I think some of the mental stress of studying and so forth is good for you. Um, so what is burnout? Well, burnout is chronic stress that feels never-ending. might not be never-ending. Most things aren't. But it feels never-ending. Sometimes chronic illnesses are never-ending, obviously. And so we get to the place where it just goes on and on and on. The stressure builds and builds and builds. Then you get to a place where you kind of give up. Uh, you just don't care anymore. You feel like it's hopeless. You feel um, depleted. You don't have any energy. So we're going to look at a guy in Scripture, Old Testament, prophet, great, great man of God who experienced burnout. Now, it's encouraging to me, if he could experience burnout, then who am I not to experience burnout also? So, guy's name's Elijah. He was a great prophet of God, and he lived in a time in Israel when Israel was very evil. Ahab and Jezebel, the king and queen, were evil. They were leading the people into false worship, um, and he was like the, the, the only shining light for the Jehovah God. All right. uh, at one point, he tells the king, it's not going to rain for the next three years because of your evilness. And the king tries to kill him, so he runs off to a, uh, another, another country, we say another country today. For those three years, uh, he comes back and he says, okay, we, we need to have a face-off here. Jehovah God against your, your God. And so they, he offers this challenge up to Jezebel and her prophets to have this competition on top of Mount Carmel. And the amazing thing to me is they accept. Now, if I'm worshiping a false, I guess they really believed in this false God because I was worshiping a false God I wouldn't want them to put, put to the test, but they accept the test. And so they go up on the mountain, they, they set up an altar, they put this uh, meat, uh, dead animal on there, and then Elijah says, oh, you guys can go first. There's 850 of you, I'll let you go first, all right? And the, the challenge is to call fire, your God certainly can call fire down on this altar and burn the meat up, right? No, no big thing for a God. And so if you read the text, it's, it's kind of funny, actually. Uh, he starts teasing him after a while. He said, well, maybe your God's on vacation or went on a trip or one place he says, maybe he's out relieving himself. <laughs> All right, kind of insulting. But anyway, uh, this goes on till noon and nothing happens. So in the afternoon, they start trying even harder. They're cutting themselves, trying to call fire down from heaven. Evening time comes and Elijah says, okay, enough. 
You've had all day to, you know, for your God to show up. And by the way, I think this is too easy for my God. So what I want you to do is pour water on the altar. Because fire, you know, water kind of puts out fire, right? And they pour water on it. He said, that's not enough water. Pour, pour more water on it. So if you know the story, they pour all this water on. God pray, Elijah prays and God brings down fire. and Burns up the, the offering, burns up the water and everything. Long story short, uh, they go out and kill all these 850 prophets, false prophets, all right? So it hasn't rained for three years, so Elijah's on the mountain, and he goes to pray that it'll start raining again. He prays once, and the servant goes and looks, and no clouds. This is seven times. And I don't know about it, if you diligently prayed, it's draining, right? And so he's seventh time, the guy said, oh, there's a cloud, and he says, okay, Tell the king he better get going because his, his chariot's going to get stuck if he doesn't hurry up. Hadn't rained for three years, all right? And the Scripture says that Elijah runs ahead of him. And it, it's a six-mile trip from Mount Carmel to, to where they were staying. So, then we're going to pick up the story. This is 1 Kings chapter 19. So, so Elijah, this great man of God, has just performed this huge miracle shown that the nation of Israel, that Yahweh is the true God. Uh, then he's ran in front of the, of the chariot uh, back to uh, Elijah's, um, Ahab's home. And here's what it says. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel, his wife, everything Elijah had done, including killing all her false prophets, all eight, 850, uh, killing the prophets of Baal. And so Jezebel, like most of you ladies, when us guys can't get it done, what do you do? You do it, right? So she says, okay, if you can't take care of this Elijah guy, I'll take care of him. So Jezebel sends a message to Elijah, may the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Now, again, mighty... Man of God, and we're going to see he's going to completely fall apart. Right? This was kind of like the straw that broke the proverbial camel's back, right? Now, the best we can tell, all she does is threaten it. She doesn't send soldiers after him or anything. She just threatens him. And we see one of, I'm going to call Satan's greatest tools. What happens to Elijah? Well, Elijah was afraid. This is interesting. He wasn't afraid of 850 false prophets, but some lady threatens him. I don't know what kind of lesson it is for us guys, but anyway, um, he's afraid. So he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, which is about 100 miles away, folks, okay, down in Judah. He leaves his servant there, evidently traveling with him, and the text goes on. Uh, he goes on for another day into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. Now, that's what burnout feels like, right? I've had enough. Can't take any more. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. Now, it's always amazed me. He could have just stayed where he was and she would have killed him, right? She would have taken care of it. So he runs 100 miles away or goes off 100 miles away and then asks God to kill him. And then the text says this, that he lays down and slept under the tree, broom tree. Of course, he was exhausted. Now, a couple things about burnout. How does bur burnout affect us? Affect us? 
Well, it affects us physically, right? We can become often physically exhausted. Now, the weird thing about physical exhaustion is this. Sometimes all we want to do is sleep afterwards. He slept. Sometimes you can't, you're just too tired. You can't sleep, right? You can bring that slide up. Um, other, other bad thing about it is if sleeping doesn't do it or if we can't sleep, we try and cope some other ways, don't we? Some unhealthy ways. It could be food, drugs, alcohol, whatever it might be. And then it affects us mentally, obviously. Our minds just get too full, if you will. <clears throat> and then it affects us emotionally. I mentioned this, some part of the series, where I think it was in a stress, that stress is this fight or flight reflex, which is good. You get this fl flow of adrenaline, but it doesn't go away. And so eventually it exhausts us emotionally. And we get to the place where I don't like you, I don't like me, I don't like my job, I don't like my kids, I don't like my church, I don't like eventually who? I don't like God. I blame God. If I wouldn't be feeling this way, this wouldn't be happening to me, God, if you were taking care of me like you said. So how do we get there? How do we get to the place of burnout? Well, how did Elijah get there? Well, first, he literally ran himself into the ground, right? And that's what we often do, just putting, adding, keep putting more things on our plate. My wife calls it stacking. Oh, I can do one more thing. I can do one more thing. Um, Elijah ran, uh, like I said, 100 miles. Could show you a map. A little hard for me to see down here. But um, the red line way at the top is where he, where he ran away for three years. But from there down to about the bottom of the Dead Sea or the Mediterranean Sea. That was a 100-mile trip after Jezebel threatened him. We're going to find out after that he makes another trip of 260 miles all the way down to the bottom here, which is Mount Sinai. So he literally physically ran himself into the ground. I thought about perfectionists. If you tend to be a perfectionist, that will burn you out. Because perfection is impossible, isn't it? <laughs> Nobody can be perfect. You can have no perfect anything. Um, hopefully you had a great Thanksgiving, but there is no perfect Thanksgiving, right? All right. So, secondly, we try and do it all on our own. Now, what did Elijah do? He ran away. He took his servant with him part of the way, but eventually he left his servant. So, eventually he's all alone. He left his wingman, we might say. And you and I are never more vulnerable than when we are alone, or when we make ourselves alone, when we won't open ourselves to others, we won't share with others. We are built for community. We are only healthy in community. I love the fact that we can do video and show our services uh, that way if people can't be here or whatever. But the problem with that, that's not community. <laughs> you are vulnerable if you're sitting at home and watching every week. You need to rub shoulders with other people. You need to pour into them and pour into you. So that causes burnout. Third thing, well, COVID kind of, all of us got burnout because of that. We tend to dwell on the negative, right? We tend to compare, compare, and we can always find somebody or something better than us. So we compare. And 
He said, I'm no better than my ancestors. Now, if I asked you what probably the 10 greatest men of faith in the Old Testament, you'd probably put Elijah in the list, wouldn't you? So that certainly makes him better than, better, quote unquote, more spiritual, closer to God than most of us, right? But he said he wasn't. Now, the fascinating thing is then what happens. He's burnt out, right? Completely burnt out. He's 100 miles from home. Queens threatened his life. Exactly the same thing happens to you and I. We, we get burnt out. God comes close. God shows up. In this case, he shows up as an angel. As he was sleeping, an angel comes on, Hey, Elijah, you need more than just sleep. Get up and eat. So he got up and ate and drank. If you read the story, takes another nap, gets up and eats and drinks Again, now the interesting thing is here, he didn't say to him, Elijah, what's the matter with you? You should, you should be more spiritual than this. You should be able to handle this. Oh, you should have just prayed about it. Don't you believe God could take care of the, this, this issue? And that our response sometimes, if not from, to other people or from other people, is to ourselves. So I put on your outline. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap or eat a snack. Good advice, right? Take a nap or eat a snack. Literally, we need to take care of ourselves physically. Sometimes I need to go out for a run or for a hike. That really is helpful to me. And what happens is we often get what I call false guilt, right? Shouldn't be this way. I should be more spiritual than this. This shouldn't be happening to me. I should be able to handle this. We feel guilty about it. Instead, we need to take care of whatever the issue is. So I came across this statement, and I love this. Don't let your mind bully your body. That's what we're doing, right? Saying, I shouldn't be like this. I, I should be able to fix this. I should, you know, be better than this. Don't let your mind bully your body. You need to take a nap? Take a nap. You need some, some substance? Uh, get something to eat. In fact, in God's top ten, we call them Ten Commandments, right? There's one in there that, does, that says what? One day out of seven, do what? Rest. Rest. Now, I think, especially in our culture, we abuse that, don't we? Well, the interesting thing is, just having time off doesn't necessarily take care of the issue, does it? Um, this week we had a holiday. I don't I look forward to holidays in one respect, but job-wise, I don't. I have the same amount of work every week, <laughs> all right? So if I take a day off for a holiday, guess what? It increases my stress, right? Because I've got the same amount of work to do in one less day. So it's not just time away from work that necessarily fixes it. So here's a question we need to all ask ourselves when we're burnout or facing burnout. What do I actually need? Do I need a nap? Do I need some food? Do I need to hang out with some friends? Do I need to share with some friends? Do I need to be alone? What do you actually need? See, when you're empty, you need to be filled, right? Whether it's physically or mentally or emotionally. So here's what's helped me through the years. It's a basic principle. 
If you work with your mind like I do, I sit at a desk or read books, computer, etc. most of the time. If you work with your mind, you might want to disengage your mind because that's bringing about the burnout and engage your body. Now, what I like, most of you know, I do carpentry work. So if I can do carpentry one, carpentry work one day a week, that's a big help to me, me and my stress level. I don't have to think about church stuff and all that stuff. Um, I can just, you know, drive nails, cut, use a saw or whatever. I often volunteer to help some of you with your projects, right? That's a help to me, my stress level. So, on the other hand, well, another thing you can do is get a hobby. Probably mostly, uh, best of, a physical hobby. Take up, now golf is stressful. Don't take up golf. <laughs> uh, running, walking, hiking, you know, tennis, something like that. All right? Now, on the other hand, if you work with your body, if you're physical labor all day long, you're a craftsman of some sort, you, may, you need to disengage your body. Don't, you know, go out and play golf on top of it. But, Engage your mind. Take a class, read a book, whatever it might be. But the next question is, what else might you need? And I think for, for any of us that are, that are Jesus followers, and if you're not, we're glad that you're joining us. But if you're a Jesus follower, what you and I most often will need is to refresh our relationship with the living God. No matter what the source of stress and burnout is, refresh your relationship with the living God. If you're not a Jesus follower, I would strongly suggest that you start a relationship with Jesus. So, what's Elijah do? He goes on a trip for 40 days, traveling 260 miles, and goes to Mount Sinai where Moses got the Ten Commandments, right? Old Testament theology is kind of like you want to get close to God, you go to the temple, or if you want to get close to God, you go on top of Mount Sinai. So that's what he does, right? Now, 260 miles in 40 days is a pace of about six miles a day. Why so long? Now, here's the way I can understand it. When I'm up, when I'm feeling good, I'm moving pretty fast, right? When you're discouraged... When you're burnt out, how fast are you moving? So it takes him 40 days to get on top of Mount Sinai. And we'll pick up the text there. He came to the cave where he spent the night, but the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? That's a neat question God to ask you. What are you doing here? Right. So Elijah does what we would do. He does what? He complains about his situation. Which is fine. God can handle your complaints and my complaints. He said, I've zealously served the Lord God Almighty. I've been faithful to you, God. This shouldn't be happening to me. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you and torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets, except for me. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Got a pity party, right? We have pity parties. Now, the interesting thing is, well, part of it was true that they were threatening to kill him. But was it true that he was the only one left? We're not going to read that rest of the text, but uh, and later on tells us there's 7,000 followers of God still. So he's one of 7,000. He's not one alone. 
Now here, here's the cool part, what happens next. He goes out of the cave and stands before the mountain, and the Lord, the Lord told him. So he does it. So Elijah stood there, and the Lord passed by, and then what happens? Mighty windstorm comes. We might say a tornado comes. Hits the mountain in such terrible blast, rocks were torn loose. Here's the interesting thing. But the Lord was not in the wind. He wasn't in the tornado. So, after the wind, there was an earthquake. The ground is shaking. Can you imagine? But the Lord's not in the earthquake. What happens next? After the earthquake, there's fire. We don't understand if, you know, a forest fire, what it is. But the Lord was not in the fire. So where was he? After the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. So, on your outline, God wasn't in the extraordinary, the tornadoes, the earthquakes. Extraordinary. He was in the ordinary, the whisper. What's your ordinary? Well, we're not cutting grass now. We're mowing grass. I mean, mowing grass, we're raking leaves, uh, vacuuming the floor, changing diapers, um, washing dishes. What is your ordinary? So why does God's voice seem so quiet? Sometimes we complain about it. I guess God would speak up. Well, here's the best answer I've come across. He whispers He's always close. If I'm close to you, I don't have to talk very loud, do I? As I said last week, the first I used last week, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those spirits are crushed. That's what burnout feels like, doesn't it? So it's never hopeless. And then Jesus gives us this fantastic invitation. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to actually read it from the message paraphrase, which is one guy's way of restating it, uh, because it actually uses the word burnout. <laughs> so here it is. Are you tired? Worn out? Burnout? Especially burnout on religion. Come to me. Come on, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. Isn't that what you want when you're burnout? I want my normal life back. He says, I'll show you how to do it. Take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn, I love this phrase, the unforced rhythms of grace. God's grace is not forced. Notice, he said, I don't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. So if your life feels heavy, it just doesn't feel right, doesn't fit right, it's not God. Keep company with me. Hang out with him. Chill out with God. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Is that the way your life feels? Not when it's burnt out. So again, what the question is, what do you need? There might be lots of different things, but one thing we all need is Jesus, right? Notice he doesn't say it takes all the weight away. Translations use the word yoke. There's still a yoke. It just fits perfect. You ever get a piece of clothing just fit perfect? And God's 
yoke for you and I fits perfectly. We can rejoice in that. All right. Again, I'll give you a, a Bible reading plan from the Bible app. There's multiple ones about burnout. I just picked one. Uh, if you don't have access to it, you can read the Scriptures each day. If you have access to it, there's an actual devotion. Of course, starting today, we have uh, Christmas devotions. Um, okay, and I'll remind you, please, give me some information about the most unusual gift you've given or received. Okay? Let me pray with you. I'll have a song and let you go. Father God, thank you so much. I thank you for Elijah. He was a great man of God. He was used by you in a great way. We have this recorded uh, history of his. But thank you, God, as great as he was, he still <laughs> suffered burnout. So we can too, if we, but we need to avoid the same mistakes he made. So help us to be smart enough to do that. And if we're burnout, to find the right, what we need to get well and healthy again. And God, we all need you. We need refreshing from you. Uh, we get empty. We need to be filled by you. We pray for anyone that's not a Jesus follower. God, today would be the day that he would understand to truly live, to live a life that's not burdensome. It's to live a life, your life, a life with Jesus. So Jesus invites you to come. Just come. His arms are open. And we thank you, God, that we can crawl up into your lap when we are stressed or burnt out. You are close. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.